thank you all so much for being here this evening. This is our very first live episode of The Failure Report. It is a podcast that has been in existence for over three years now, and this is our reboot. I am grateful to Story for partnering with us and seeing that we went dormant. They were like, well, what happened? You just went black all of a sudden with 10,000 monthly downloads. That's not something that people normally do. But when you're overwhelmed, when you're stressed, Mm -hmm. when you don't know what the world and the economy is going to do, you just... Maybe not everyone, but I just put my head in the sand. (laughs) I just decided that it didn't happen. It didn't exist. And it made me feel better. But to know that we have an audience that is asking for us, that is ready for tonight, and that is ready to hear another failure report just gives me all the good warm goosebumps and warm vibes (laughs) ever. So I would like to thank Miss Natalia Bishop for being our speaker for this evening. And Natalia Bishop, I want to welcome you to the failure report. Well, thank you so much, Ren. I'm really excited to be here. I'm glad that you're bringing it back. I was a little bit hesitant at the beginning of like, do I want to do this? And I'll get into why yes. <laughs> I'm about it, but I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm thankful. Awesome. That's amazing. So on this episode of The Failure Report, we're going to discuss how Natalia Bishop has been what I'm going to call a multi-hyphenate. You know, there are certain th- individuals say I'm a serial entrepreneur and I'm all of these things, but a multi-hyphenate is someone that takes things to the absolute next level. Typically, this definition is reserved for celebrity status. And I'm going to say, I feel as if I'm in the honor of pure <laughs> greatness tonight. Say more. <laughs> say more. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Natalia, I want to ask you one simple question. Tell me when it all got effed up. <sighs> <laughs> That's right, girl. Deep breath. <laughs> um, you know, I think that the reason why I was debating whether or not to come on when you first asked wasn't really necessarily because I was afraid of being vulnerable about fucking up. But yeah. it, it was more because I don't, and it's going to sound terrible, it's because I don't consider much like Chase, like, I don't consider the stuff that's happened to me as a failure or myself as a failure as much as I consider experiencing failure, right? So failure is honestly subjective in in a way, right? So it depends on how you plot success, right? And what your metrics for that success look like. And so I was thinking about it and I'm like, all right, let me think about a time that I really messed this you know, things up in business specifically. And, you know, I didn't really feel worthy of coming in and being like, cause I like, not that I didn't have massive screw ups throughout yeah. the years, but I didn't really feel that anything was like sticking to me in that way. I kind of do business away. Like you play a quarter park plays football, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, it's one down at a time, right? Like right. otherwise yeah. you're, you're going to die yeah. out there for me. You know, I started business as my own boss, I guess, back in 2014. It was a creative entrepreneur endeavor. Uh, I was a photographer, ended up with multiple assistants and, and multiple people working under my brand, then created a studio space, then that evolved into co-working, then that evolved into startups, and that evolved into a lifestyle business that had multiple locations uh, all over Kentucky. So I want to talk a little bit, not so much about story, but I want to talk a little bit about two things. One is Level Up, which is Mm -hmm. my software company, and then the second one is going to be more of a business slash personal failure, if that's okay. Absolutely. So tell me about Level Up, because Mm -hmm. Level Up is a a relevantly new venture for you. Mm -hmm. And so I I was doing a little research, you know, you're so Googleable, which I love. I'm telling you, celebrity (laughs) status, right? (laughs) Just trust me. And so I'm Googling about Level Up, and I am so intrigued Mm -hmm. about, you started out as a photographer, and I I really want to, to really drive this point home. Photographer turn 
business owner of multiple ventures turn software developer. Mm-hmm. Not typically the trajectory that most photographers take. So tell yeah. us about it. And I'm not quite all the way a software developer, but it's <laughs> more like product management, right? SaaS product manager. And when you are a startup founder, you have to know at least how to, especially if you're doing a SaaS product, you have to learn like your basic coding or else, you know, you're going to get taken advantage of. <laughs> so what ended up happening was we were starting story and uh, it really was a marketing effort yeah. to get people into the building, right? We were having awesome attraction with the people that were walking in, but how do we get people to walk in? And because I was a creative entrepreneur, I had a really amazing network of creative friends, right? Like people from like, you know, Jordan Kabuma, who was doing like embroidery to other photographers and video and people doing cakes and floral design and all kinds of really cool, amazing stuff, cocktails and, you know, bartenders and whatnot. And so I was like, what if we get people all in a room and we teach them how to do the things and let's see who shows up. And so our first event we threw at Copper and Kings and Chef Bobby from Butchertown Grocery was super kind and got us all kinds of delicious charcuterie. And it was like a huge party. And we had like, you know, people doing cocktails and learning how to do mixology. And it was this amazing event all through, you know, the network that I had. And I was like, okay, there's something here. Like when you don't really advertise anything and we have media coverage a day, like random people, right? Yeah. I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Let's be really intense and intentional about it. And so we grew it the first year, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars and it took just traction really quickly. And I think one of the biggest mistakes for me is was that we expanded too quickly. I didn't really take the time to sit with it. I was sort of rushed through the process. I mean, I was younger, so I'm just going to blame it on my on my That's immaturity. Right. Right. But yeah. no, I think it was a little bit like I felt like I had something to prove and I stopped listening to myself and it was more like grow, 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 because that's what you're supposed to do. That's Um, what we think we're supposed to do. Right. And the dollars were saying that you should. A hundred that plus thousand a year means I've got something going on here. Like, let me expand. Let me dig some roots. So, but you were realizing like it was too fast. What does too fast mean for you? And at the same time, you know, I think that I came from a lifestyle background, meaning a business that was a small business, right? And Mm -hmm. I was just learning what scale meant and what I could potentially do. I didn't really understand or know how. I didn't really have the resources of how do you put, like I like to say, sprinkle some tech on that shit (laughs) and really make it scale, right? And so what we we ended up with was, you know, spreading ourselves too thin, myself and my co-founder, which at the end of the day, it kills you, right? In between that, one of the things that happened was a COVID happened. So we were at a really great pace. You know, once we realized, okay, this this could scale this way, it's going to be really difficult. It's going to be capital intensive to do it that way, to go and open regions and do all these things. Why don't we sort of pause and reconsider what it is that we have to do. And so the sprinkle the tag on it was mm-hmm. me enlisting one of my really great friends who is a as a technology partner, right, mm-hmm. in Colombia, and sort of pivoting into a SaaS product that will allow people to, instead of me having to put on the classes, right, as a company, they would come in with their talents and do the classes for us. And we would just be the tool that they use to get people together. And so we did really great with that. We won all kinds of competitions and non-dilutive capital and all kinds of really cool stuff. And then COVID happened. Uh, We were literally in San Francisco the day they shot down in a global competition and and all this other stuff. And so the quick pivot was, what do you do, right? Like, what do you do when your entire business is about literally putting people together in person in small rooms? (laughs) 
Because <laughs> it's like, mm, that's not going to work so well. Right. So obviously the, the pivot of moving into an online platform and live online and on-demand content at a time where, you know, everybody was home and by themselves. And so it was a really great opportunity and a really great market. And the failure that came was me not being able to fundraise as a founder. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what that experience would be like. I knew it would be hard because of our region and how things are. But as a Latinx female, there's only, well, as of 2020, there were only 59 59 59. women Women. who had ever, Latinx women who Mm -hmm. had ever raised a million dollars or more in Mm -hmm. the entire story of venture capital, which is stupid if you think about it. And so 59, and we're talking about billions of dollars deployed every year, right? And so when you hear that and you're like, okay, I can do it, I'm pretty confident and certain I can do it. But do I want to do it? Do I want to? And and with good reason. You know, we talked about being everything being steeped in science. 59, not percent, 59 women, yes. Latinx women, had raised over a million dollars. You know, juxtaposed to 130 black women in 2019 that had raised over a million dollars. So when you think about my probability of mm-hmm. actually being successful mm-hmm. with this, you start being like, shit, failure is pretty inevitable. Right. And like, I don't necessarily like to... Like, I, when I think who's in Tyler Bishop, I don't go Latinx women. Like, mm-hmm. that's not how I define myself. I'm kind, I'm funny, and yeah, a little bit a smart. <laughs> uh, then there's Latinx in there. You know, that, it's inevitable, sure. right? Like, I, this is how I show up in the world. And so I never really let that consume me. But to your point, like, there was a moment in which I was so consumed with this that it was permeating everything in my life yeah. that I had to look at my life and say, okay, I can do it. I will do it, mm-hmm. right? And this mm-hmm. is the kind of person I am. But I'm going to leave my soul on the line, yeah. my family on the line. I have two children and a husband and a mom and whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I don't really know if I want to do that. And even though our startup is very mission-driven, it is about, you know, educating and upskilling women. And we were seeing, you know, all of the traction and we had all of the signals. And so my failure was a... I think it was too inexperienced, right? I talked to 138 investors for our pre-seed round. All the information I was getting was different. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't raise that much. Oh, no, you need to raise all the money. And I think this is the founder experience in general. It's not just, you know, sure. women or whatever. It's kind of like you got to figure it out. But mm-hmm. not having the mentorship and not having that was really difficult. And at some point, we had the commitment for the million and our lead fell through as it often happens in venture. Sure. And then, I, you know, at that point, it's like a domino effect. Everything just kind of boom, boom, boom. And so for me, that's, I think, one of the toughest to look back at your business and say, you know, there is something really special here. Your audience really wants it. You really want it. But the capital piece sort of makes or breaks it. Yeah. And to look at your team and say, you know, guys, I love you. We love each other. This is awesome. But we we can't do it anymore. We can't right? do it. Was it a domino experience because of the fundraising? or And how did that affect you emotionally? Because of fundraising, then I fell emotionally, then my team fell emotionally? Or was it really like we were still in the pocket? It was oh, no, we were finance. all in. We were it. all in. And I think that, you know, I have been doing a lot of, over the last five, six years, I've been doing a lot of like self-healing and discovery work and all that fun stuff Mm -hmm. that one stands to do once you grow up. And, uh, you know, I think it was one of those things that I had really done so much therapy around 
why am I doing these things and sort of discovering what motivates me. I'm a middle child. I'm an immigrant, obviously, because of my accent. Uh, <laughs> a lot of the reason why I go all out is rooted in my, you know, my childhood mm. shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's one of those things where you're like, I'm deriving all this self-worth from my experience of success, from what seems the rah-rah, right? Mm-hmm. And and why am I doing that? Every time there was a traumatic event in my life, like I was like, oh, really? Life, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. Let me just go extra. Let me just make that tech. And, you know, no longer is it a $300,000 a year business. It's now a $10 million a year business yeah. and so on and so forth. So, you know, really taking the time to stomach that, that you are not your success either, mm. right? Um, as much as you're not your failures. And I love that you're, mm. you're, you're saying that, you know, like, I'm not my success and I'm no, I'm not my failures and I'm not just a woman and I'm not just a mother. I'm a yeah. conglomerate of all of those things that have made me unique yeah. and have put you in the position that you are in today. So it was interesting, right? And yeah. it was, and back to, you know, I was saying, maybe I'll share something a little more personal. Yeah. You know, I think my other big failure was when all of this was happening and I really felt like I had something. It wasn't so much like I wanted to prove it to everybody else. I felt like I had to prove it to me. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't know when to stop. Yeah. I crossed some really, really bad personal boundaries within my family unit, right? In terms of like my relationship with my husband, because I felt so strongly as a woman that I had to do this. So I think that's more my failure than the actual, and by the way, level up, we pivoted, right? So we're no longer doing capital or seeking capital. We are running it in a what's bootstrap, which Mm -hmm. means, you know, just with your own revenue and you're slow and steady versus like all out and be crazy. Mm -hmm. So there's some really good stuff coming up with that, which meant that we had to shut down for the better part of a year and a half. Mm -hmm. But that's okay too, right? And so it's allowed me to move into spaces where I feel like I still can do a lot of impact and other roles within the community. I went into VC. So last year I did a program at Stanford for emerging managers. So I'm now an investor at a venture capital fund because I'm like, screw that. Like, we're not yeah. doing that. I'm not right. <laughs> and so those are the things. And so how, how can I make sure that there's number 65 and yeah. 70 and, you know, who knows how many more, right? Many more um, to follow. Yeah. yeah. So. And that's how you lay your legacy and make that seed really, really grow. But, you know, I want to come back to you talking about your, your partner. Yeah. If I ever have to say what my biggest failure in life is, is with my partner, with my husband, who has been absolutely everything to me for the better part of 20 years. Mm-hmm. And he's watched and has caught the tears of every single venture that has scaled. And we were tears of absolute joy and elation. And then every single venture that has, you know, crumbled in or opportunity or contract that has just crumbled in devastation. And, you know, I love to hear you say that that was something that you realized that boundary you crossed, because oftentimes as founders, our boundaries don't exist. Mm -mm. (laughs) I will cut you. You're like, put your house on the line for a mortgage. Yeah, I'm going to do that. And and that's kind of like the whole, like, I think that that's the culture, right? Like they're like, oh, you have to work 300 hours a week and you have to not eat, sleep. You never see your children. You put your house on the line. You better not take a salary, Mm -hmm. right? But keep your mental health and run a company. I mean, who does that? So, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's insane. And so Mm -hmm. I think that for me, and it was through therapy. It wasn't me just coming yes. to the realization. I did this on my yeah. own. Like, I'm not that that awesome. But uh, <laughs> it was like my therapist being like, you suck. And yeah. I was like, oh, shit, yeah. 
Yes, I, I do. do suck. And my husband, I love him so much. He is the polar opposite of me, right? Like he is a person who needs a lot of stability. He's an engineer, so like, you know, very methodical, very logical. I'm all like rainbows and butterflies yeah, and shit. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> and he's just like, you know, a very certain kind of person who needs things and needs time to process. I'm on the spot, you know. And so when you throw something as big as a company, let alone two companies at the same yeah. time, because why not? That makes it really a difficult dynamic. And when it came to our finances, I felt like this was our, both of us, by the way, come from our backgrounds. Our, we're first generation students. He grew up straight up in the ghetto in New Albany, right? And mm-hmm. we didn't have anyone to like, you know, we were like, we're going to make it and we're going to like generational wealth our way through this and do all these things. But he picked the steady job, right? Because of his personality. I was like, let's go and just do all the things and and we'll make it through. Right. And so when it came down to, you know, decision-making for the business, I felt that I was justified by that, hey, this is for wealth, for the generational mm-hmm. wealth, for the well-being of our family long term. Mm-hmm. And so I was making some really terrible decisions in terms of our communication. Like, I was like, well, you know, mm-hmm. if I make money in the business, like, I was, he wasn't participating in any of the decisions for our business because I knew he was going to tell me no. no absolutely. <laughs> and as a woman, I'll say this, as a woman... And this is me. It's not him. It's just as a woman, I felt, and this is my own shit, not him, that I kind of owed him a say or whatever. And that it wasn't like I needed his approval, but Mm -hmm. there's always that whole like thing in the back of it. A lot of times if if a guy goes and does whatever with his money and invests it on whatever stock, typically in the past, you wouldn't have gone and told your wife, hey, this is what I'm going to do with it. You just go and you do it. And that's accepted, right? Or socially accepted. I think it's changing, obviously, now where people have more of a better partnerships within their marriages. But, you know, for us, that that was a huge, difficult thing because I didn't want to come to him because I was worried he would tell me no. Mm -hmm. So instead, I was just making decisions. Thankfully, you know, it wasn't anything catastrophic. Like we didn't lose any money or anything like that. But it was still like, make risking capital and doing things that were beyond that that should have been a partnership that I completely overstepped the line and the oh I'm gonna Mm -hmm. be a success in the Mm -hmm. in the effort of like you know this is how you do business yeah and this is how you do business like a man I don't have to ask you permission and I'm making these decisions right a little bit and 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 at the end of the day it's gonna come back into our pockets a little bit and so why not make these singular decisions and so I feel you Natalia because I have done the exact and it sucks once you sit there and you realize you're like oh man, that must have been really hard on the other side. Yeah, you could think about how it would look. Yeah. Again, thankfully, nothing catastrophic happened out of that. But it did hurt our relationship, right? And it did took a long time to kind of recover from those things. And it's something that I'm like, I now that I'm older and Mm -hmm. wiser, um, you know, not interested in doing, right? Not interested in compromising. Because at the end of the day, that's the person you wake up next to. Sure, sure. It is. <laughs> right? That you want to give the explanation yes. to. Not that you owe it to, but yeah. I want to give you an explanation that's honest. Mm-hmm. And that is, you know, because oftentimes, and even why we have this podcast is because we're not honest with yeah. each other. Yep. How's business going to tell you? It's great. Everything's fantastic. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. I'm jet setting. Da, 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 da. But mm-hmm. in the reality is, is that my bank account's on zero. <laughs> I, gas is four ninety nine, and I, I, shit, I don't have it. Okay. Right, right. <laughs> but that's the person. And that's your person. You yeah. know what I mean? I need to be able to come to you, if not anybody else, mm-hmm. to say the real honest thing. I love yeah. that. And I think that's the key, too. And I think, thankfully, our story 
and not that we haven't had our starts and stops and everything, just yeah. like any business, but I think we have an amazing team of people and all the things that I can say that I'm really most proud of at all the places that I've worked is like our cultures within those spaces where people can come and be themselves and, and really show up to work in a way that's different. And yeah. most of the time when I talk to the people that work with me, they're like, oh, you ruined me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like, you know, story has ruined me or little life has ruined me because I don't want to work anywhere else. Yeah. And that's awesome. But it also comes with its own set of challenges, right? Like, so how do you honor all these things that we're talking about, which is, you know, being vulnerable at work and being able to balance your life and, but also you're a business owner. So if, if shit breaks, you got to be there, right? Yeah. Like, and how do you juggle all that? Yeah. So it's still a learning process. It's a learning process. Yeah. It's a learning process. The last thing I want to point out that you said that is so, so important is that your girl goes to therapy. <laughs> she's big up in her therapist, like, and my therapist said, because... She's she's British, so she sounds... Like, I feel like I'm at Hogwarts or something. Yeah, Every time like, she's talking to me, right. I'm like, this is great. This is great. <laughs> so get you a British therapist. Get you a British therapist and she'll slay you. Like, <laughs> you are stupid. <laughs> you are so stupid, Natalia. And I'm like, yes, yes, I yes, am. I know. But it's so interesting because as founders, we deal with a lot of mental health issues Mm -hmm. that individuals don't realize that we're dealing with. You know what I mean? If I worked for John down the street, John is dealing with these things, but I work for him. You know what I mean? And so I don't really know that I can't make payroll or things like this. But to lay in bed and to know like, okay, I can do just this month more or I can, or I just got a million dollar check and I'm going to do these things for my, you know what I mean? And that's actually wasteful. You know, we don't do that enough. We don't take yeah. care of ourselves enough. And we call getting a pedicure self-care, but mm-hmm. damn it, it's really laying on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think the whiplash too of like the founder journey is exciting and, and you get the million dollar check mm-hmm. and then the next minute, minute. you're someone calls you and something's on fire and yeah. then you, you know, it's just so whiplashy and they're really exciting pieces and they're really sad pieces when you know then you have to fire people and then I remember when COVID was happening when things first got shut down and we had to like lay everybody off I mean the the sheer just (sighs) sadness right of like and you feel responsible for people and it's it's got all these different nuances that you know during a paycheck doesn't have and so I think that if anything it's not really so much for sanity but for the well-being of everybody around you too, yeah, right? Because, yeah. you know, at some point, I remember during that whole, like, hey, let's shut down and, and let everybody off. I've been really good about sleeping and I, I can sleep through anything. I sleep really good. I mm, sleep eight hours. Great. So that's like my thing. I'm like, I got to do that. But it came a point where I had to start learning how to have 13,000 emails, right? Like, uh, yeah. or what, which is currently my inbox. So if you email me, <laughs> don't expect the response. Uh, text me and then we'll talk. But it's like, you know, th- those kinds of things that where normally it would drive a hu- normal human insane. Right. You're just like, you know, th- your tolerance has to be different and things of that nature. What other people, again, and it's that measure of like, how do you define success? I am not the kind of person who is you know, defined by if my inbox is clean or not, if my, you know, if all my answers are whatever. I'm I'm an 80 percenter, which, oh my God, it's going to sound terrible. I can't believe I'm saying it, but it's like, I'm an 80 percenter. If I can get it 80 percent of the way there and it's good and I can delegate the 20 Mm percent, then we're good. Like I can sleep really good. Yeah. I think that that is the the how you get to do a bajillion different things at the same time and, um, and be successful at it. Well, 
Yeah. You know. <laughs> Experiencing success currently, right? <laughs> we, we have a lot of air quotes floating around about success and be successful at it. Natalia, I appreciate you so much for sharing your failure report. Thank I mean, you, my friend. biggest takeaway is understanding that honestly, failures happen for our good. Mm-hmm. You know, understanding how you took something that could have been conceived as a complete failure of not being able to raise the money that you needed to. We've all failed because of COVID. Like everybody did it. Yeah. It, was, it was just universal. But to really understand how success was just a failure away for you and you've now pivoted and figured out exactly how to make your business successful and Googleable because, I mean, you're at the top. <laughs> like I completely dig it. So thank you so much for sharing thank your you. report with me this evening. I, I really appreciate you. I think that the last thing I'll say yeah. is one of the things that happened to me during that time and I didn't really even realize that I was experiencing failure in that way like it didn't feel final I could have kept going yeah I could have kept going and it took like mental effort to say you got to stop and so once I did do that and once I was like back to my why like why am I doing what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and and deciding to do whatever it is I'm going to do next I didn't really know at that point but intentionally so that I didn't have to wait to experience the success of an exit mm-hmm. because the whole point for Level Up was like, I want to exit big. I want to make, you know, 150, 200 million dollars and then go and invest it on people. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, how do I hack this? And I did. Right. So it's like and I don't have to wait until I get all the way to yeah. the end of the line to help. And so I think that in that moment when you are experiencing failure, just sitting still and really getting back to your why and what motivates you and what's moving you. And then is there a way that I can continue to do what it is that I'm being called to do or whatever you call it and do so in a way that I'm bringing others with me before I get all the way to the end of the line, because that's action. That's today. That's today. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) Natalia Bishop. Thank you guys. Thank you.